You know AM570 LA Sports is the Dodger station, but did you know this season, we stream every single moment of the game on the iHeartRadio app. Just search AM570 LA Sports and be sure not to miss a moment. AM570, an LA sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Peterson. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney Rodney Peterson. Available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. And we continue Fred Rogan and Jonas Knoxon today for Rodney on AM570 LA Sports in Phoenix. Getting ready. Game 2, Clippers and Suns. Sadly, not a lot to say about the game before the game, except that Chris Paul's not going to play. Kawhi's not going to play. Marcus Morris will be a game-time decision. And we will get more into that. <laughs> you start laughing, Jonas. Well, I see you just kind of smirk. It just, I just don't understand what's happening with Chris Paul. Like what? Like what's the problem here? All right. Well, 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 all right. We're going to get into that. All right. I'll hear your theory. Do you have one? I can come up with one though. I mean, Please do. Yeah, I don't have to believe it. It's radio. I just have to say something and turn it into a hot take and a conspiracy theory. That's how this works. Like Tommy Lasorda when he would talk to you, he'd tell you a lot of stories. Some of them are true. Some of them he made up. <laughs> but they all sounded like they were real. And that being said, let's bring on the man in the big chair, who knew Tommy Lasorda, Ned Coletti. Ned, how are you this afternoon? Doing good, gentlemen. Hello there, Jonas. What's happening, Ned? How are you? Doing good, thank you. Hey, it's true, Ned. Lasorda would tell you a lot of stories. How many were true? Um, <laughs> seven out of ten, and the other three were better than the other seven? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. God, he was funny. Oh, he would come up with stuff. All I right, miss Ned, him well, so much. My goodness. It's just yeah. crazy going to the ballpark and not seeing Tommy. And, you know, and what people that didn't know him don't realize is if he was just in the ballpark, you felt his presence. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. I know, I know him for 25 years before I came to work here and um, really got a chance to know him and, and talk deeper about the sport, about the franchise and his love for the Dodgers in L.A. He's, you know, I'll, I'll know a couple thousand people in my life. I only know one like him. Yeah, he was, uh, and and you know what's crazy about the Tommy Lasorda conversation? After he passed, I was making this point that his personality was so big that people almost forget how great he was as a manager. Like all he did as a manager, just because the personality, the stories, the way people revered him around the ballpark, um, you know, the the interactions he had with the Philly fanatic and some of the other mascots. I think people, when they think of Tommy Lasorda, they think of stuff like that as opposed to all the great things in the World Series trophies and all that stuff he did as a manager. His personality was just so much greater than even the on-field accomplishments. Great points. You know, for a long time he was the he was the face of baseball internationally without even playing, just because of the personality and his his enthusiasm for life and for the game. But you're right; a lot of people forget how good a manager he was. And you know, I, every time I, I had teams that played against his teams for a while, and every time we'd come to L.A. or every time the Dodgers would come and, and play us in Chicago, or even if, I don't think San Fran as much, but Chicago. We knew, we knew that it was going to be a very, very disciplined club that would, would fight you every inch of the way and was fundamentally sound. 
And I can remember walking to Dodger Stadium hundreds of times and watching him throw BP, even as a manager, and knowing, uh, you know, we'll be lucky to get one out of three out of this place. I mean, I, I can just imagine Tommy Lasorda roaming the streets of Chicago at night. I mean, that that must have been a sight to behold. Oh, he was beautiful. I, and I did a lot of traveling with him, too, through the minor leagues. I mean, because he loved to, to talk to our player development people and the younger players. So I spent a lot of time with him in AAA and AA and high A and low A. And uh, he was, every time I'd say, hey, you want to come along? He'd say, let's go. And he loved, <laughs> loved every minute of it. I got it. I got it. I probably got fifty Tommy Lasorda stories, of which seven of seven percent of those, seventy percent of those, are also true. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey Ned, we were talking earlier about the series with the Padres, and you know Jonas suggested it's something we said early on in this season. It probably means a little more to the Padres than it does to the to the Dodgers at this point. And, and I changed it a bit this go round and said, well, now given where we're at in the season, and uh, it's a division game. I think it's as important equally to both teams. I don't think it's any more, well, it's more important to the Padres. I think it's important to both teams at this time. What do you think? Well, I, I agree with, with both of you. I agree that it's, it's important for both teams to continue, for the Dodgers continue to to play hard and to play well against a team that is right behind them and a team that is trying to to take over their, their rank as the top team in, in, in the game, in the National League at least. And so it is important for both, but I think when you're San Diego and you're, you've had a little bit of a downturn here, especially offensively, not lately, not the last four or five games, but for about 15 games before that, you've got to continue to get reestablished almost immediately. You cannot afford to lose three of these games or even two of these games. Um, you put them back another game from the, from the Dodgers if they lost two out of three, and uh, of course they're not going to lose three out of three now because of last night, but... I think when you're the challenger, I think it is a little bit more up to you to, hey, set the tone and tell the champion, hey, you know what, we're not going away and we're going to compete. And we're not going to just compete against you. We're going to compete against everybody. I think they're still in that process, but I think it's a very important series for, for both clubs. And Ned, do you see some similarities with, and, and I don't know if it's the vibe in the ballpark or just the motivation factor from wanting to take out the top team, but I, one of the conversations we were having earlier is, is, is there some similarities between when the Giants were winning World Series and the Dodgers were on the up-and-coming trend and they were the team that was starting to develop, you know, showcase this young talent they had in their farm system all, that, all those years, but it was the Giants everybody looked at as the class of the division. Did you did you guys get more fired up for those games against the Giants, similar to what we're seeing from San Diego, wanting to be the next team in line uh, after these Dodgers continue to roll on and win what, however many World Series they walk away from this era with? You know, I, I think um, I think you do to some extent. I think the Dodgers and Giants are an, an extreme rivalry. I think you got the Cubs, Cardinals, you got the Red Sox, Yankees, you got the Dodgers and the Giants. The only one that was really on two different coast in this country, I think that will always be the the, uh, the litmus test and really the standard. But, you know, make no mistake, San Diego knows where they're at. You know, um, they, they've watched for the better part of a decade the Dodgers come into the, to their ballpark and have more fans and to be louder. Uh, it's almost like Arizona were part of the Diamondbacks feelings this week and had to be, how do we take the crowd out of the game, even though it's our own crowd, you know? And I think when you, when you watch that and you watch how the Dodger fans have flocked to San Diego and how they've really kind of taken over that ballpark and the neighborhood around it, 
you know, that, that agitates, and that, that does cause some rivalry, and that does cause a little bit more of an uptick, I think, in the competition. But I think that you're going to compete no matter what, and the Dodgers are always going to be the standard, and that, that's who you're trying to beat. San Diego will never be San Francisco for the longevity of a, of a tremendous rivalry, but for this place and time, you know, they're as strong a rivalry as, as the Dodgers have at this, at this point in time that they do. Net injuries aside, and we believe Muncie will be back tonight, Bellinger tomorrow, Seager after the All-Star break. But uh, injuries aside, are you concerned about this feast or famine when it comes to hitting? And it's something we've talked about in multiple years. Well, it's back again. Either score a lot of runs or not many runs. Injuries aside, is that a concern? Um, I don't think you can, you can put the injuries aside. I think when you're talking about really your three best left-handed hitters all being out at the same time, your two-hitter, your four-hitter, your five-hitter most nights, I mean, there's, there's very few teams that are not going to have a, an offense that takes a downturn when you're missing two, four, and five. You, you think about Max Muncy, 35 home runs a year. Uh, Bellinger in and around that number, sometimes more, sometimes a little less. Seager, uh, a great hitter, run producer in that second spot, and what he is able to do for JT behind him and, and Mookie ahead of him. I, I, I don't think you can we can discount the injury factor when we look at the offense. I think it's just it, it's the way it is. If they weren't three of your best hitters, they wouldn't be playing every day, and you wouldn't be missing them. So I do think that that, that will change when they do get back, after they get back and they, they have a few repetitions in a few games. I don't worry about the offense. I'm starting to think a little bit of, a little bit of concern with the starting pitching, with Gonsolin uh, having a shoulder issue against Sunday and come out of that game early, and, and Julio. And I know Julio's been great. He would have been the first pitcher in the league to get to 10 wins yesterday had he won it. But I think he's, he's around 88, 90 innings this season. And if you look back at his career, that's, that's really the most he's pitched at any point in time already. And there's probably 15, 16, 17, 17 starts left, barring a, an IL or just a, a little bit of a break before you get to October. You know, I was thinking back to Kershaw and, and Walker Bueller, and you know, their, their advancement when they really took a step up was probably in the, in the 50 to the 60, 65 inning mark. So, and it's not just keeping somebody healthy; it's really keeping them effective. So the starting pitching, to me, is is more of a uh, more of a you know, keep your eye on it than the offenses. I think when the three hitters get back, I think the offense changes dramatically. I think everybody in the lineup gets better because of of the addition of Muncie and then the addition of Bellinger and then the addition of Seager. I think the entire lineup benefits from that. But the starting pitching is really what has kept this team uh, at the forefront of everything because that has been so good. And so consistent, but you've got your fifth starter out, Dustin May, your second fifth starter, a little bit finicky right now with Tony, and you've got Julio. That's that's every inning he pitches from here on out is going to be an inning he hasn't pitched before. And it's not just the number of innings; it's really the the toughness of an inning, or it's a stress inning. If it's twenty two, twenty five pitches, thankfully he hasn't had many of those this year. But it's something that I would certainly keep an eye on as you go forward, because you're not just trying to get to October. You're trying to win October, and that's still a long ways off. Uh, Ned, so we saw yesterday was the first day in which uh, managers could ask umpires to check pitchers for the sticky stuff, whatever that substance is, spider tacks, uh, suntan lotion and rosin, whatever the case may be. We saw Darvish get checked. I think Urias got checked twice, if I'm not mistaken, in that game. DeGrom was the first guy to get checked. 
it feels like, and there were a, a bunch of other players around baseball who were also checked by managers. It feels like, I don't know if it was gamesmanship, but almost like everybody's sort of maybe making a mockery of the situation that they're going and for a game that wants to speed things up and they don't want to slow things down now you've got managers with the ability to ask umpires to check these guys every game where does this land with you and and what this could mean moving forward well i think it's it's a it's, it's got a lot of different points to it um you know i think umpires are required now to check a starting pitcher twice at any point in time between innings as they're walking off the mound and things like that so hopefully to not not uh extend the game any longer than it already is um i think it's it's a situation that it, it, it crossed the line i think that people have always been looking for an advantage going back 100 years people looking for some type of advantage and and i think baseball by and large would would let that occur until it got to the point where it became became too obvious and, and, and too strong uh, and, and too much of a changing factor. I think everybody in the game wants a pitcher to have a grip on the ball. The pitcher does, the hitter does. I think that's normal. When, when spin rate or things like that can be affected, when somebody's stuff can be affected uh, to, to improve their ability, I think that's where, where people start to, to you know, give it a little bit more uh, uh, look at it, and a little bit less tolerance to it. I think you're going to continue to see it. I think, to your point, yeah, some of it is gamesmanship. If, an, if a manager is going to ask the question, sure, you're going to try and upset somebody. You're going to try and upset a rhythm. You're going to try and get into a, a pitcher's head. But you know what? they all know this is coming now, and they all know it. And so you know, it's one thing if you're unexpected of it and somebody tries to upset your rhythm, your timing, if you're a hitter. But as uh, when you know it, and you know that you're going to be called out a couple times a game if you're a starting pitcher, just by 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 rule now, basically, you know you you live with it and you go with it and you you clean it up. So we'll see. It'll be interesting year. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that they did something. I'm surprised that they waited 90 games into a or 70 games into a season to do it. I think that's that's really tough to to adapt to that if you're if you're an athlete and you're comp- competing. Uh, and when they check, Ned, you said starting pitchers have got to be checked a couple of times. So uh, will there be any rhyme or reason? In other words, maybe we'll check in the first inning and in the fourth, or will some umpires do it in the second? Uh, do you think there'll be any rhyme or reason to how they check? No, I, I think I think it'll. I think an umpire obviously look how many pitches they've seen in their career. You're talking about you know tens of thousands. They see anything suspicious in the second inning, you know, they may may do it at the end of the second. Um, if they don't see anything suspicious at any point in time, you know, they may do it whenever they feel like doing it. So uh, I think that it'll it'll depend on each umpire, each pitcher, each individual situation. I think as time goes on, it'll it'll kind of just get pushed into the background as far as oh, look what they're doing, you know, they're 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 checking him again or they're checking him between the second inning and the fourth inning or you know I think as time goes on it'll become a little bit less of a of an issue especially if nobody gets suspended and everybody's playing by the rules I think it'll won't fade away but I think it'll become less less of an attraction than it is yesterday and today and going forward for a little piece of time All right Well Ned thanks for coming on thanks for the insight as always we really appreciate it My pleasure gentlemen have a great day Thanks, Ned. I'll just get a W tonight. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. There goes our buddy Ned Coletti. Okay, Jonas, you do have some thoughts on what's happening with Chris Paul. Is that correct? 
Well, I just did, you know, some some funny business, it feels like. It's, it's All right. just interesting. All right, right. Well, we've got to get into that funny business. The funny business with Chris Paul. We'll get into that next. And we'll talk about our worst jobs. San Diego, move on. We've come for the NL West. Lay low. In fact, lay down. You can either lay down now or wait till September when you inevitably will do it anyway. Good luck getting through, pal. Although you have been doing a pretty good job of laying down lately. Zing! Morongo Casino Dodgers on Deck kicks off at 6 p.m. on the home of your world champion, Dodgers. AM 570 LA Sports. Thanks for joining us on your ride. Thank you very much, yes. Speaking of which, traffic. Bringing you LA's best sports talk weekdays, noon to 3. Bogan and Rodney. Fred Rogan along with Jonas Knox and for Rodney on AM570 LA Sports. Okay, so Clippers will try to get back into the series tonight, but maybe they won't. Because, you know, if they go down 0-2, they've got the Suns right where they want them. They're very good after they lose the first two games of a series. Yes, they are. We saw that against Dallas and uh, Utah. The cardiac Clippers, Fred. And they could use yeah. your support. Stop walking around in Phoenix Suns gear uh, in the streets of uh, Arizona, and they, you know, they could get a little bit of your support, for God's sakes. It is the weirdest thing. And, and look, I guess it is what it is. If you're traveling, and I have many times over the years with our local teams, Dodgers, you see people walking around in Dodger gear, even on off days. Lakers, you see people walking around in Laker gear. They're in restaurants and stuff, even on off days. I didn't see anybody wearing Clipper stuff yesterday. And I thought, all right, you know, enough of the goofing and the joking. They're going to show up. People are going to be here. I haven't seen one person. It is really bizarre, given that I've traveled so much over the years with our L.A. teams. I just, there doesn't seem to be, and we'll see what happens tonight, anybody here. Where does Bomber stay? Like, where are his digs at? Because, I mean, I'm assuming you've got this, uh, you know, beautiful B&B. Uh, like, you probably stay at Cliff Kingsbury's uh, house that he was showcasing on the draft last year. Man, uh, if he if he rented that out as an Airbnb, good Lord. I mean, so... so He'd where, make so much money. Where do you think he's staying at? Somewhere in Scottsdale. Okay. And are we talking like Old Town Scottsdale or the other no. side of Scottsdale? Because that's one thing, people, I don't know if anybody that's been to Scottsdale, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are two different Scottsdales. So much so that the one time I was there, I walked around one portion of Scottsdale and it felt like a cow town. Like it just felt like you were, you were on the set of Tombstone and I was looking around to see uh, you know where Ike Clanton was getting his makeup done uh, before the scene when he's got to you know, get into an altercation with one of the, uh, the Earp family members. Yeah. You, you walk around and you go, okay, it's smells like horses uh it's very old towny and and all that and i remember getting in an uber and the driver saying why'd you come to this side of scottsdale i go is there another side he goes yeah trust me he's like do you trust me he's like we've never met but do you trust me i was like yeah for sure you pull up there and it was like vegas except a more a little bit more dumbed down version but all the windows open the bars flourishing people around everywhere and it was a completely different universe than the scottsdale that i was at so i'm just wondering yeah, and, what side he's staying on okay well i'm sure he's not staying at the uh the commonor scottsdale but you're saying old town so if you've not been here 
really separate Old Town, and they're not that far apart, into two segments. You were in South Old Town. You only went a little bit north till you got to where the W Hotel is, and that's where all those bars and clubs are. So you didn't have to travel that far. I know what you're saying. That That's part of Old Town. North Scottsdale is where all the development is now. North Scottsdale, the Kierland area, the new Ritz-Carlton is going in out there condos and homes so that's really where everything is i would think he's out there maybe they're at the four seasons in scottsdale uh they could be at the phoenician okay. which is paradise valley kind of scottsdale ish okay. that's probably where they will be uh we're downtown right across the street from the arena i've stayed in this hotel many times i think it's great uh, and it's easy access for us so i like that a lot but i have not seen any clipper people Tonight may be different. We'll try to we'll try to find Steve Ballmer and try to get close to him. Uh, but, uh, I don't Kevin, know if they'll even let us. Uh, Kevin and Ronnie uh, in the back. Could you guys uh, pop on real quick? I just have a question for you because I, I want to know whether or not I'm hearing things incorrectly or whether or not you guys are getting the same feeling here. But did you sense the dismissive tone from Fred Rogan when I dared to try and talk about Scottsdale and how it's broken up into different pieces? Oh, the, it's Old Town North with Old Town South. And no, you're over there. And you, it was just this, like, like you basically pantsed me on the air because I... I didn't know enough about Scottsdale. Well, I think you gave an incorrect description. You were not with a bunch of cows and horses, and then 30 seconds later in this Vegas nightclub situation. It's not that, there's not that much dif- distance. I know where you were. I know exactly. Yeah, but it's Fred, old town. The, but th- it's three blocks, Jonas. But the way I described it sounded better on radio. We don't have to be accurate. It's like Ned Coletti said about Tommy Lasorda. If he gives you ten stories, chances are three of them are BS. You just you, you roll with whichever ones are the most entertaining. I just but didn't I, know that I needed to be pantsed on the air on AM five seventy LA Sports. I grew up watching Fred Rogan on KNBC. I grew up listening to AM five seventy LA Sports. Some of the greats that have ever donned these airwaves and i come on thinking man i'm like a little part of the group a little part of the crew and then you got to air me out like that and 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 basically armpit fart me to death over where scottsdale is and there was no armpit and, farting i mean come there was on, no man. armpit farting and How you know that you i was mean, just trying to paint an accurate picture so if anybody came and came on over here that had not been here, they would really understand what it was. Leave it alone. Kevin. I'm just trying to paint no, a word picture. Just, no, just to answer your question, Jonas. Yes, Fred essentially called you a dumbass. That's basically that's basically that's how like I answer. You really? You're going to say that? <laughs> that's ridiculous. Seriously. No, right, just dummy. because you work with Jonas overnights, Kevin. Yeah. I don't think that was necessary. Yeah, but but we treat each other with respect. We're not here trying to air each other out like you're trying to air each other out. Let me tell you something. I've been keeping a list here. I don't know if you know this. I told the guys in the back since the since the opening minute of this program on I the Walmart kept, pad for eighty eight cents. Yes, yes, eighty eight cents again. You guys notice that too. Because uh, sorry, Fred. Sorry that it wasn't Nordstrom's. I didn't get my I didn't get my notepad at Nordstrom's, or I didn't get it at Target. I went to Walmart. And by the way, we don't even want to talk about the fact that there's one Kmart left in the state of California, <laughs> which is an absolute disgrace. Anybody that ever grew up in a Kmart, you know, you went in there for a couple of things. Number one, who, who grows was, up in a Kmart? Well, Who's listen, born into a Kmart? I did, Fred. And there were three things you, you got were at born a Kmart. In a, you lived in a Kmart. Basically, may as well. I mean, look, we had a big family. There's not a lot of money going around thus all the crappy jobs i had to work when you went to a kmart you went for three things all right what number one 
the icy machine. Because while everybody else had a Slurpee, there was an icy machine next to the Little Caesars inside the Kmart. Number two, the mechanical horses out in front of the store. For 25 cents, you could ride on those bad boys, and it felt like you were at the zoo, except they were plastic, and unlike Santa Anita, they weren't dying in front of you. And number three... That was such a low blow. Well, I mean, come on. We're going to do resumes here. Let's do the resume, Fred. I know you talked about Santa Anita. They had their issues. And number three, Britannia jeans. While everybody else was doing big time with Levi's and, and Wranglers and Miller's Outpost and all these other, these other outlets. I grew up on Britannia's. They fit terribly, but you know what? It let people know you were at a Kmart. And here I come on the air all these years later, and I feel like the same kid showing, showing up to school in a pair of Britannia's, except it's because I don't know Scottsdale like the great Fred Rogan does. What does that have to do with Kmart? I don't know. It was just on my mind. I had to get it off my chest. You know, I, Jonas, I sent Kev the link earlier. Because Sarah. Fred is from Arizona, he feels that nobody should know any any more information about the great state of Arizona other than Fred Rogan. Nobody knows more oh, about Arizona than Fred. And if you try, if you try to paint a picture, but no, that that is wrong. Let me tell you the real story. <laughs> telling you it's it's amazing look i'm from thousand oaks california yes Fred, if you tried to break down uh something in thousand oaks or talk about you know what i would do i would say hey you know what yeah let's have this conversation together we're a team i wouldn't say fred <laughs> i wouldn't say fred how dare you you don't know the difference between topper's pizza and domino's that's What's in wrong west with lake you, yeah, ass. come on it's not gonna what that. Da- kevin will you stop saying that <laughs> yeah will you please stop saying that and jonas i was just trying to give an accurate description of the area. That's not to say you didn't experience what you did. Yeah, it's I think a... we can all admire you for going through that harrowing two-minute cab ride. What I'm trying to do is just paint an accurate description. So if that someone comes here, they'll the know. greatest grass. For God's sakes. <laughs> By the way, I mean, I, I have been to Tuluka Lake once. I don't even want yeah. to go there with you. I don't even want to go there with you because I know how that story is going to end too. You're going to you're how's gonna, that going to end? You're going to embarrass me because I went to Toluca Lake one time, uh, and and I can tell you I was at a place that was uh, there was like this bar, uh, like a '50s diner type throwback type bar in Toluca Lake, and I thought it was a nice place. And you're probably going to tell me, oh, that wasn't really Toluca Lake. That was more Burbank. But you wouldn't know that because you're stuck up in Ventura County with the rest of the stiffs out there, so you don't know anything about what we deal with here. Like I just I feel like. Now I'm insecure. So if you were hoping that you were going to get a partner that was insecure here, two days in and a show and a half into our experiment together doing this during the week with Rodney vacationing, and now I know why he's vacationing. All right, now, but people were confused earlier because you called Ronnie Rodney. So now that all this is being laid out on the table, now I feel terrible about myself, and I've got to go through the rest of the show like this. Where were you at that diner? Oh, I don't know. I was bombed. Come on. I don't remember specifics of that. I was hammered. Come on. What, what, what was the name of it? I don't know. It was just like a diner. It felt like a, like a train car almost. Uh, like you, you walked up on this. I just remember this little platform. It was Patty's. Yeah. I, I, there was some, I don't know. I don't know the exact name of it, but I just remember there was a place in Toluca Lake, and I remember asking people. Was like, it Patty's? I have no, I don't know. 
I don't know. It could have been Tommy's. I have no idea. I got, I was hammered. But well, I then can, you don't know if you were in Toluca Lake. That's well, my I, point. Okay, there it is. See, see what I mean, guys? Like he can't trust me that I was in Toluca Lake. I've got to give him the exact details of Toluca Lake in order to be trusted. Here well, I want to paint an accurate picture for people that may want to go there. Well, listen, I want to paint an entertaining picture, and that's the difference between the radio we do. You do the real stuff during the week on weekend overnights. Accuracy is not that most important thing, Fred. <laughs> it's about trying to. It's about <laughs> listen. Weekend overnights is about trying to get people not to drink and drive and to go have a good time at home instead of going out and blowing their money at a bar. So when they wake up in the morning and they've got fast food wrappers all over their corpse, they can realize, oh, I fell asleep listening to Weekend Overnight Radio on Fox Sports Radio and the great Kevin Figures who joins me every single week. What is your Chris Paul theory? All right, does he have COVID or not? Like, because I, I, they, it's almost like they're giving you a little bit of the detail, but not everything. Like, you check to see Chris Paul's status, and it's, oh, he remains out for game two. It's like, okay, well, like, do we have an update as to, like, how this difference differs from him being vaccinated and not vaccinated? And I can't get a real clear understanding as to what the rules are. It's almost like the NBA didn't expect that a player was going to test positive on a big stage who had already been vaccinated. And right. now they and now they almost don't know what to do because it just feels very vague. like we've got I, we've gotten more updates and details about Kawhi Leonard and and whatever the knee injury is than we do Chris Paul who may or may not have COVID and may or may not be vaccinated and I just I wonder like, why can't we get a little bit more clarity on the situation Monty Williams the Suns head coach is like oh yeah he remains out for game two all right. Any update as to when he's going to come back? Like, any update as to how this happened, where it happened? I mean, LeBron James went to some crummy tequila opening uh, during the week, uh, right. and, and he didn't have to have it go through any of the protocols. Kristaps uh, Porzingis went to some strip club, uh, and he got fined $50,000. It just feels like the NBA is inconsistent with some of the reporting on this stuff, and I just wonder what the hell's happening. Kevin, do you remember what the protocol is for contact tracing in the NBA? I'm trying to remember. How many days do you have to sit out? For contact tracing. It depends on whether or not you're vaccinated. Uh, so I know Matt Barnes said that Chris Paul told him he was vaccinated. So, uh, But there's a certain protocol you have to go through. But then the most important thing is you have to return two negative tests within 24 hours of each other. So unless and until Chris Paul does that, he's not getting out of the protocol. I mean, I, I, have, a, I have a conspiracy theory that's not going to be true. But, it's not true. I'm just letting you know this. It's not. It's like when somebody tells you they saw Bigfoot and it turns out it was their drunk uncle who had, who had wrapped himself in dog hair and walked around the campfire upright. Like, That's he, Dave he, Magdaleno. Uh, okay, well, listen, I'm not here. Uh, listen, don't you dare disrespect the great Dave Magdaleno. He is a longtime AM570 LA sports he, alum. That just said he could never see Bigfoot and that it was his uncle that fell into hair. Well, dog hair, to be specific. But my point, All right, but my, they, you're telling me that Dave Magdaleno's uncle got drunk and rolled around in dog hair when Dave Magdaleno claims he's seen Bigfoot. Okay, well, uh, Dave Magdaleno saw Bigfoot, but there's some people that haven't seen Bigfoot. Look, Baker Mayfield swears he saw a UFO. Baker Mayfield's also the guy who ran from cops for no reason and had food all over his T-shirt at Oklahoma. So, look, I mean, listen, it's whatever the source is. I trust Dave Magdaleno. I don't trust, you know, the drug addict who claims that he saw Bigfoot, but, you know, it was uh, you know, it, it was his uncle walking around in, in, in Doberman hair uh, around the campfire one night because they were bombed. But here's, here's, my, here's the thing. Dobermans don't, don't have a lot 
lot of hair. Whatever. That's the first name, a dog that came to mind. Are okay, you fine. Get, I don't know what you want. Cocker Spaniel? All right. I, I feel like if I say More that hair. on the air. Listen, if I say that on the air, I feel like I'm going to say something else and I don't want to lose a job. Okay? Okay. So there. All, All right. right. Fine. So Go ahead. Here's, here's the thing. I don't yeah. believe that this could be true, but right. I just wonder, yeah. is there a little bit of bad blood towards mm-hmm. Chris Paul yeah. based on the play-in tournament, the quick turnaround of this season, and the fact that Chris Paul is run, you know, a uh, big time in the NFL and the NBA Players Association, yeah. and maybe there was this is more of a little bit of a warning to uh, Chris Paul, like, hey, man, um, maybe you could, you know, pick a side here. Let us know who you're working with, and maybe that's sort of going on here. The fact that it was Chris Paul and nobody else, you know, I just I find it a little bit a uh, little bit suspect here. That's okay. All. Okay, and and I've heard your conspiracy yes. theory. What do you think? And I think you I think you are accurate. I do not think it's true. Okay. All right. What's worse? Wearing the rat suit or cleaning urinals? <laughs> we'll figure that out. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Terrence Man show in game six. I give you playoff tea. Kawhi, take your time. Heal up. It's cool. Terrence Mann has got this. Now it's time to turn me loose. Next up, the L.A. Clippers and Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference Finals. You finally did it. Don't miss a moment of coverage on AM570 L.A. Sports. And hear the games on AM1150. Thanks for joining us on your ride. Thank you very much, yes. Speaking of which, traffic. We've been through it all, though it could be worse. Yeah, I feel like we have been through it all. Fred Rogan, Jonas Knox, Jonas in for Rodney. Uh, next hour, Mark Medina will jump on the show, and we'll we'll really try to set the stage for tonight. Get into your conspiracy theory about Chris Paul. Earlier, Jonas, we were talking about the jobs we've had. You know, we're all the sum total of our experiences. Yeah. We've all gotten to where we're at one way or another. We've all had to sacrifice. We've all had to work. We've all had to support ourselves. Now, you were the rat at Chuck E. Cheese. That yes. was not a great job. No, that was not ideal. Not ideal at all. But you had other jobs you did not think were great. I mean, yeah, I was a janitor in an elementary school. I was a maintenance guy at Toys R Us cleaning the women's restroom, which was not very fun. Uh, I was yeah. I was a busboy at TGI Fridays, a telemarketer. I did I washed dishes. I did construction. I painted curbs. I did uh, my buddy's laundry for cash on the side. I mean, like, yeah. You did you really? It. Oh, yeah. I was. Listen. When, when you are dead broke trying to make it in radio, you're just looking for any way to try and make cash. So I was willing to do – I ate a hot pepper at a restaurant for $20. That's how broke I was. It was literally a, a raw, the entire pepper, I was offered 20 bucks, Or I don't even think it was 20 bucks. It was like 15 bucks, and there were like a couple of loose bills in there. So less than 20 bucks. But I was so desperate – that I was willing to eat that hot pepper just because I needed the extra cash. So I've done, I mean, you name it, I've done it all, Fred. And what has that taught you about life? What, what has it taught you, Jonas? Because that's the question our listeners have. Given what you've done, you've eaten a hot pepper, you've cleaned the women's west restroom, you were the rat at Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. What, what has this taught you and what can you share with our listeners? 
It's not that bad, man. Like if you have if you have a gig, first of all, it's why I always respect anybody. One of the most dismissing things that I think people do, and they just do it by habit now, is they say, uh, "Well, you know, you're going to end up working at McDonald's." What the hell's wrong with that, man? Like if yeah. if you're out there making an honest living, it's more than what a lot of people are doing. And the fact that in this day and age, we're able to stay employed, whatever your gig is, whatever your job is, and and we have the honor of you know being able to do this show and being able to you know be a little bit of a release especially you've been doing this for a long time you probably hear people say hey you get me through my day at work you get me through this that's going on it's not the most enjoyable thing in the world but you know being able to laugh and have fun with you and rodney every single day it gets people through and the fact that we're able to do that and that people are on the other side grinding and working their ass off when people tell me you work really hard because you did a show earlier and you did one today man i've worked really hard jobs this is not one of them it's why i'm always grateful for the opportunity yeah, and I agree with you. I, I don't think, look, Los Angeles, uh, the perception around the country is not the reality of the community. we got people that grind and bust their ass every yes, day. They work yes, hard. Yes. And, it, you know, we have people that are really committed to taking care of their families here and, and really lay it out on the line every day. And when people around the country say, well, you know, it's all stars, it's all glitz, it's all glamour. No. Oh, there's some of that. It's There's some of that. Yeah. But that's not what Los Angeles is. That's an incorrect perception if you want to look at the totality of the market. I mean, when I started in radio, before I did that, the worst job I ever had is I used to clean the urinal <laughs> in the boys club right here on 23rd Avenue in Missouri. That was my job. I'd go in and I'd have to clean the urinals. And I got paid for that. And I was happy to make a couple of bucks. You know, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I had a job. Granted, not the greatest job. Who wants to clean urinals? But I did that. And then I worked at the pop shop where they had these giant pallets of soda. It was the pop shop. Uh, I thought you said and pot shop. Sorry about that. I missed no, that wasn't was legal like, back then. Oh, okay, I just want you know, just yeah. to clear that up. Okay. No, given what happened to me last night, yes. I know why you would think that. Okay, very good. But that is not the case. I worked at the pop shop. I made like five bucks an hour. And I moved these giant pallets of pop. And, you know, we are the sum total of our experiences. And that's why if you get up and you work hard every day at whatever you do, more often than not, good things will happen. Yeah. More often than not, it's going to fall into place if you just put in the effort every day. And it's true. The people that work the hardest usually get the most because they put in that effort and never give up. So, you know, I have a lot of respect for you, and I've told you this off the air, and people should know. You know, Jonas and I, are, I think we're friends. And, uh, you know, given what you've been through, and how you ended up here with as much talent as you have. And you are exceptionally talented. And the Fox Overnight Show is great with Kevin. Uh, but, I mean, big things. You're destined for big things. I'm glad we get you now. Because there's going to be a point where you're going to be too big for us. That's how talented you are. And it took you a long time to fall in the line and get it. Just it came together. And I'm proud of you, and I'm excited for you. Well, no, I, I appreciate it. And like, and like I said, I mean, it, growing up and, and listening to you and getting to see you on television and then getting to meet you at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, like I came up and introduced myself to you because, like, oh, I, I know Fred, and, and and Kevin's always said great things about you as well, too. And look, I, I just think for the, for the narrative surrounding L.A. and the narrative surrounding Southern California that, oh, it's stars and people just kind of hang out. And they, first of all, the cost of living out here, you can't 
can't just hang out and mail it in every day. It's just, it's not no. happening. It's like people say the same thing about Hawaii, and then you go to Hawaii and you meet every single Uber driver who also has a part time job elsewhere because cost of living is so high out there. And and the reason why I have such admiration for the people that listen to AM five seventy LA Sports and are listening to this right now that are grinding and doing the real work. I mean the real work is I grew up and we didn't have money growing up. It just was the way of the world. It was, you know, there were times maybe the, you know, the, the electricity was out, whatever the case may be. My dad lost his job. My mom was a yard duty at an elementary school because she had to be. There were a lot of kids. She had no choice. We needed the extra money. The most proud I ever was of my dad was years later when he had lost his job uh, and he had worked at, you know, at a company and they, they got into the shoe business and whatnot and the company shut down in his 60s. He started working at a gas station, at a Valero gas station in Thousand Oaks, California. And people were so rude and dismissive of him. And that guy got up every day and he showed up to work late in, late in life when he probably shouldn't have been there in, to begin with. He was probably better for, than, than, than at that point in his life with his family and, and being able to do what he's done throughout the course of his life. He wanted to spend time with his family, but he couldn't. And he never complained, and he got up, and he heard the jokes, and he heard the criticism. And that's why I always have a soft spot in my heart for people that are listening to this at any time, at any point during the day. It always means a lot to me. So when people say, hey, your show gets me through, or I love listening to the, to the show, to me, that's an honor because without them, Fred, we don't exist.